Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Oh, good morning. How are you feeling? Great. You're feeling good? It's funny when um, you have that moment when you're seeing someone, like, particularly like out in the foyer or you meet someone like maybe in the school playground or um, when you're out at the shops and you bump into someone that you weren't expecting to bump into and you have that conversation of, and how are you? And you're like, good. And you don't even really think about it, do you? You just go, oh yeah, I'm good. Sometimes I get a little bit nervous when people ask me that question because I actually don't sometimes know. And I think it's because if you're like me at the moment, the words that actually come to my mind when I'm actually thinking about how I'm doing are not the most positive words. They're like exhausted, overwhelmed, running around like a headless chicken, running from one thing to the next thing. Got, if I was like a computer, I would have like a thousand tabs open, like, you know, like down the bottom of your computer with all the tabs. I remember once I showed Adrian, who um, used to work here, my computer because I need to help with something, and he's like, Kristen, why do you have so many things open? I'm like, because I'm working on that many things, like I need them all open. Feeling overwhelmed, busy, at capacity, at my limit, rushed, and not knowing actually how to answer that question of how are you. And I think that, um, I think it's a little bit of a bad after effect of the last two years with the lockdown, because we had two years in which it was full on and it was a bit rushed and it was busy or was full, but you weren't moving from place to place. And so the world kind of opened up and we all got a little bit excited once we all got over our little nerves. Some of us still have nerves and that's okay. But once we got over that, we're like, yes, I am going to do all the things that I haven't done for the last two years and I'm going to make up for the two years that I sat at home. And then there was this beautiful season of time in which you could say yes to absolutely everything, but knowing that most of it would be cancelled. Do we all remember that beautiful time in which you could go, I will say yes to everything, but who knows if that's actually really going to happen because they might like put capacity limits again or they may say only 10 people. And so you're like, yes, 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 knowing that you could hold it very lightly. But then this strange period of time came in which nothing got cancelled. And every yes that you have said, you then have to do. And all of a sudden, this skill that we have forgotten about, which is called time management and diary management, we've had to like kind of relearn or are relearning or pretending that we're learning and we don't actually know. But this phenomenon of being so busy and probably feeling exhausted and overwhelmed actually has been around for a very long time. Our culture is built that it values and finds it finds people who are busy and have got a full plate somehow more worthwhile than those that aren't busy. And we like, we wear that badge as a pride. We go, I'm busy, I'm busy. Or how are you doing? I'm busy. And you're like, yes, I must have a great life because I'm busy. And we wear it and our culture celebrates those that are busy and that are full. But actually, we can say lines like this, I'm just so desperate for a holiday. I cannot wait for a holiday. Once I get a holiday, then I'll be fine. Or I just need a day off. Once I have my day off, we'll all be fine. Or I just need the weekend. And then after the weekend, we go, oh, i just going back to work to have a rest from my weekend. Or I need a holiday from my holiday. I literally just said that out there and I laughed because I was like, oh, clearly we all need a holiday from our holiday. And I think it's because 
the rest that we do get, the rest that we've added to our life is actually not the rest that we need. It's not a soul rest. We don't feel refreshed and replenished from it. Is anyone else feeling a little bit the same? And I do know that because it's not only conversations that I'm having with myself, but it's conversations that I'm having with other people. It's podcasts that I'm listening to and the hosts are talking about just how they're feeling frazzled and they've overcommitted themselves to lots of things. And I think that it is a little bit of an after effect of the lockdown, but I think that our culture really celebrates busyness. Now, I didn't just bring this um, plant here, this beautiful plant here, um, just to make my thing look pretty, because it clearly doesn't, because it's a bit dead. Um, I brought it as a bit of an illustration. So this was not your intended plant. I did buy you a very like healthy, flourished, well-rested plant, and I hope when I come and visit, it looks like that, not like this. So I desire to have lots of greenery in my house. Does anyone else? Like, I feel like greenery brings joy and makes the house feel nice. Um, but I have learned that I am no green thumb. In fact, I have two living plants in my whole entire house and the rest of them are fake because I cannot keep them alive. If you can't see my beautiful plant, it is um, well loved, isn't it? It's not looking well loved, is it? And I think there's a few reasons. So over the last couple of months, there's been a lot of dampness and moisture in the air, hasn't there, because of all the rain and all the mould and everything. And so this plant isn't really designed to live in that type of climate. But not only that, over winter, we have had the artificial heat on. And I've realised this sky is like right underneath the vent. And I don't think that's also the context in which it's meant to flourish. And then there's another key factor, which I was really good at doing, very, very good at doing, and then all of a sudden I stopped doing, just because I got too busy because other things came up in life, and that was watering it. And it only needs to be watered once a week. It's not even like once a day. It's only once a week water plant, which seems so easy, but yet um, I clearly have not managed to do that. It is not thriving. Do we all agree? Yeah. It's alive. It's doing some of its job of being pretty and doing what it needs to do in the air, but it's definitely not thriving. And I think it's similar to our souls. I think our souls are alive, they're going, but I don't know if when we're saying that we're busy and overwhelmed, we need a holiday from our holiday and we just need a day off and we need all of that, whether or not our souls are thriving. For us, instead of it being moisture and dampness, maybe it's the fact that we don't have good boundaries in place. Instead of it being the overheating of the artificial heat, maybe it's being way too busy. And when it comes to the water for the soul, maybe it's not having a soulful rest in our rhythms. And so over the next two weeks, we want to talk to you guys about something that we have been trying to add into our own lives, something that we're working through, something that we're learning, and about two rhythms to help our souls thrive and tend to our souls. And one of them is the daily rhythm and one of them is the weekly rhythm. And so this morning, we're going to chat through and talk through the weekly rhythm of Sabbath. 
Now, the definition of Sabbath is from two Hebrew words, and we all know that English is already very difficult for me, let alone Hebrew. So I am not going to... I'm going to try and pronounce them, but I'm really sorry, I'll probably get them wrong. So the first um, first Hebrew word is Shabbat, which means to cease and to stop working. I probably got that wrong already. Close. The next one... Anyone else want to have a go at that one? Nuaha, if I just say it really fast, Nuaha, which means to dwell. And that is where the definition of Sabbath that we know it as comes from, is those two Hebrew words. Throughout the Bible, um, it's kind of intertwined and which word that they use to describe Sabbath. So clearly, it just means to stop working, both paid and unpaid work. So for those of us, because I remember when um, I was... Uh, not doing paid work for a season when I was bringing up our small children. Anytime someone talked about work, I was like, well, I'm out. I'm out because I don't get paid to do my work. But God doesn't just talk about paid work. He talks also about the unpaid work, which is like the household stuff, the volunteering, all of those things as well. To stop working, both paid and unwork, and to rest and dwell. So it's a rhythm of rest and dwelling with God to tend to our souls. Now, before we move on, I already know that you're probably having a couple of thoughts in your head already, and I just want to address them before we move on. And number one is that some of you are like, Kristen, I already do this. I've already got a great rhythm in place. I'm very good at having the Sabbath. Thank you very much. I'm just going to enjoy my Sabbath right now and shut my eyes and dwell with the Lord. Maybe we could learn something new this morning. Maybe you could add something different to your Sabbath if you do it really well. Or maybe you could be encouraged to inspire someone else to do it well. Or number two is maybe you're having that silent chuckle that I had when someone brought up, brought up Sabbath to me, had a little bit of a laugh going, <laughs> such a great idea, but don't you know? Don't you know what my life's like? Don't you know that I've got two small or three small or one small child that I'm trying to bring up? Don't you know that I have teenagers who take up so much of my mental and emotional capacity? Don't you know that I've just started a new business or a new job and it's taking up all of my time and if I'm not working in it, then nothing has happened to the business? Or don't you know that I'm an entrepreneur and so there is no one else? The back doesn't stop with anyone else. It stops with me. If I'm not working in my business, it's not a business. It's not happening. Or maybe you're actually retired and you're saying to yourself, I have never been more busy than what I am right now. And you don't actually know how you fitted work into your life because retirement is so busy. Or maybe you're looking after ageing parents. Or maybe you're looking after siblings that just need that extra support and you're like, I'm at capacity. Thank you so much, Kristen. But there is no way that I can add this into my life right now. And we will get to that. And I just want to keep you listening so that God can speak to you and maybe add something new into your soul. Or maybe you're thinking, oh, great, she just wants to talk about a religious practice that I have to do and I must do. And I tell you this morning that I hope that as we journey through this together that we may see that it is not a religious tradition and practice that we must do, but it is something far beautiful and something more creative and something more wonderful for us so that we aren't like this and that we can flourish and that we can thrive. And so Sabbath is actually, we're going to look through the Bible together this morning and see how Sabbath is actually like a thread that is woven throughout the whole entire book from beginning to end. It's beautiful. And so 
I'm going to do a little bit of um, Bible aerobics this morning. So if you've got pen and paper, you can write it down. Um, otherwise, the verses will come up and we'll go through them together. Quickly, don't worry, I will be quick. Um, so the first one that we're going to start with is back in Genesis, Genesis 2, 2, and it says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So first verse is that God rested. And then back in Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God rested, but remember that we're made in his image, so therefore we should rest. And then in Exodus 20, verse 8, it's where uh, we're in the Ten Commandments in this section. And it's just after the Israelites have been made free. They've been working nonstop for like 400 years, 24-7, seven days a week. The grandparents have worked that long. Then the next generation has worked that long. Then the next generation has worked that long. And then the next generation has worked that long. So it is ingrained in them to work, isn't it? And so then the Ten Commandments come, and it is actually in the Ten Commandments, and it is verse 8, and it's the fourth commandment, it's commandment, and it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so in the Ten Commandments, something that kind of blew my mind as I was looking at this, is in the Ten Commandments, God talks about, you only have one God, um, worship me. And then it talks about like lots of different things that we shouldn't do, murder, adultery, slander, all of those things. But in there is also the importance of having rest, of having Sabbath. Like it is so important to the human soul that we do this, that it's so detrimental if we don't do it, that it's kind of like similar to the other things. If we don't get this right, the human soul doesn't thrive. And then we see in Leviticus, um, the Israelites were not very good at keeping the Sabbath. They were very good at working because they kind of had to undo their learning of what they'd already done, which was... I produce, that's what I am. And they had to undo that learning. We see in Leviticus, um, they talk about not only with ourselves, but also with the land. We need to let the land rest. So it's worked for six years, and then for one year it's rested. And then in the New Testament, in Matthew 11, verse 28, it kind of all takes a little bit of a different kind of a different path, if that makes sense. So we've talked about, so God's kind of put it in the commandments, but then Jesus comes and Jesus says this. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, yoke, yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I just want to read it in the message because I just think that how Eugene puts it is so beautiful. And it says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real, re real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
Don't you love that? It's very refreshing. So Jesus has said, then I am rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying that he is the rest. Because it's very interesting that straight after that, where he says, I'm the rest, that it goes straight into the Pharisees wanting to catch Jesus out on how he treats the Sabbath day. And so we see in Matthew 12, in which Jesus and his followers are walking around, they get a little bit of hungry, and so they eat a little bit of grain. And then the Pharisees are like, oh, don't you know you're not meant to do any work? And then Jesus heals someone and they're like, oh, don't you know you're not meant to do any work? But it's interesting that after Jesus says that he is the rest then he kind of shows a different way in which we are to rest, which isn't this religious practice, which isn't like, oh, I've got to rest, better stand still because I don't want anyone to get get annoyed at me or I better sit down because I'm not sure then if my legs are actually resting, but then my bottom's not resting. So how do I actually rest? I can't actually explain that to you because I don't know. But it's moved from this point of where Jesus here is saying that rest and Sabbath is still very, very important. But it is no longer a religious must-have-to, must-do thing. It is for your soul. And then in Mark 2, 27, this is after he has explained to the Pharisees about what um, rest really is and what the Sabbath means to look like. And if you had a sheep that was in a hole, would you just leave him there for the day or would you go get him because it's the Sabbath? And he says this, And Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Son of Man is no yes man to the Sabbath. He is in charge. Which means the Sabbath was made for our benefit, not for us to serve the Sabbath. So it's no longer a religious mandated thing that you must do, but rather something that is special and precious. And then again, it's mentioned throughout all of the New Testament as well. It's like Sabbath is mentioned about 36 times in the New Testament as well. And so Sabbath is entwined throughout the whole Bible because it is so vital and important to us. Yet I think so many of us, including myself, do not have a very good rhythm of Sabbath in our life. And so we see that Sabbath is not a religious ancient have to, must do, boring or a waste of time, but rather Sabbath is a gift from God to us, a gift that allows our soul to rest, but to also flourish. So if it is a gift, then why don't we use it? And I think there's two reasons why we don't do Sabbath. And I think they're in two categories, fear and focus. First of all, with fear, I think that we are fearful of what others might think because Sabbath and rest is actually really countercultural, isn't it? Like to actually say, I'm actually going to not do that or this is what I'm doing today, I'm going to rest. And people are like, what do you mean? Like, you're free, so why can't you come and hang out with me? Or why can't you do this? Or why can't you help me with this? Like, it's your day off, aren't you free? It's countercultural. And we're so driven that we don't actually know how to rest. And for some of us, we're even proud of how high our annual leave balances are. Like that's some sort of an award that we should take because, oh, I don't rest, I work really hard. And society does encourage that. I think another fear that we have is not being finished. We go, oh, I can't, I know I've booked rest on 
Wednesday, but actually I haven't finished what I was meant to do on Tuesday, so I can't actually have Sabbath on the Wednesday because I'm not finished. And we're fearful of that feeling of like, if you're like me, I hate things not done. I always say to myself, oh, I can sit on the couch once I've done X, Y, and Z. And if it's housework stuff, let me tell you that the housework keeps going. The dust keeps falling. The clothes keep coming because everyone's wearing clothes, thank goodness. But clothes keep coming. You will never be on top of the washing. That project will continue to happen whether or not you're working on it. And so we get fearful about not being finished of something because we're so entrenched that we must finish. Then we get fearful of not being enough. And we think if we're not doing, we're not working, then maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe then I won't be rich enough. Maybe then I won't be successful enough. And so we have that fear and that stops us from resting. And then an even deeper one. Sometimes that we actually don't rest and we don't stop is because that we're a little bit worried about what we might actually face when we stop and have time to ourselves. And we're actually worried about things that maybe we have been suppressing that might come to the surface and that we're actually going to have to deal with. And we need to deal with so that we can flourish. And the other reason why I don't think we do it is because we kind of lack focus. So I think one, one way that we do that is that our identity is so caught up in our doing rather than our being. And it's so obvious to see. It's like when you meet someone new and you go, so what do you do? I mean, we're not going to walk around and say, what do you be? Because that could be slightly awkward because I wouldn't know how to answer that either. But we do. We, our identity is so caught up in our doing rather than our being. Our, so, our identity is so caught up in who we are instead of who God is. And then the other reason why is because we lack focus because we don't see the value in it. We see the value in other things. We see other things as more important. And so we don't see the value in it. And if you want to know what you see value in, all you have to do is look at how you spend your time. What gets your diary? What gets into your diary first? What do you move stuff around so that you can fit in? And so if we keep living like this, going to end up like my plant, still alive, but not thriving. So this gift from God is such a nice gift. And I don't know about you, but there are some times in which you get a nice gift and you're like, thank you so much for my gift. Absolutely love it. And then you pop it on a shelf and you never use it. And we could do that with this gift of Sabbath. Or we could actually use it. It's like um, when you go for a really long run and you're so parched and someone gives you a glass of water and you just hold the glass of water rather than actually drink it and refresh your soul. Because this gift of Sabbath is such a beautiful gift that God has given us. A beautiful rhythm in our week where he's not saying don't work and don't do this, but he's saying do that but know that there is this beautiful gift of rest at the end of it. Do you know, there's this um, song that we sing at church called Bigger Than I Thought. And there's this part in it in which um, I'm not poetic if we haven't all worked out yet. It's not one of my um, giftings. I sometimes read a poem and I'm like, what are you trying to say? Can you just say it so I understand it? Just say it in plain English so I get what you're trying to say. Um, and so there's this song where it's set um, in Bigger Than I Thought. It has the 
I want to say bridge, is that what you call that bit? Yeah, bridge, yep. Um, in which it's like, I will rest in the Father's hands and leave the rest to the Father's hands. And there's been a few times in which I pulled Sam aside and I'm like, I don't understand how I'm resting and resting. Like, I don't get that. And what I think that this is such a beautiful demonstration of what Sabbath is, is that I will rest, like lie down and rest, be replenished in the Father's hands, and then I'll leave the rest, like the rest of the work that I haven't finished yet, in the Father's hands, because he is in control. Because that is what the gift of Sabbath is. It's not only showing us how to have a beautiful rhythm of rest and working, but it's also this like um, gift of, I've got it, Like, you don't have to control the world. You don't have to control everything. You don't have to be responsible for everything. Like, I've got this. You go and rest because I've got this. And I just think that that um, bridge actually really captures it so beautifully. Okay, so we're going to now look at, now that we've kind of looked at, like, the biblical... um, way that Sabbath is entwined throughout the Bible and we've kind of looked at why we don't take it... You may be interested now in like what does Sabbath actually look like and how you could implement it into your life. Okay, so Sabbath isn't actually a day off because it's actually a day for. So it's not a day off, but it is a day off. So don't stress, I'm not going to give you homework to do. But it's a day for. There is purpose to this beautiful rest. There's purpose because there's like four things that you should do in your Sabbath time, which is stop rest, delight, and contemplate. So to stop, stop doing your work, to remind yourself that you do have limits, that God is on the throne, and it doesn't matter that I'm not doing because I'm leaving the rest to God. So stopping and resting from doing our work. It's not enough just to stop, like don't just stand there, but to rest from doing our work. And then to delight. We want to slow down enough that we can enjoy the things that are in our life. So it's not a day that you need to sit and just contemplate on God and do nothing else, but it's a day to bring joy and to bring delight. So what is it that brings you joy and delight? For some of us, we love to cook. I can't think of anything worse to do with the time. We only, I only cook so that we survive. There is no other reason, and it's generally two meals, and I just repeat them straight after each other. My kids don't know that there's lots of different flavours out there or lots of different foods. They don't need to know yet. Um, So you might find delight in baking. You might find delight in making a beautiful meal. That might be the thing that brings you delight. Or you may find delight in being with certain people. They may fill your cup so much that that is what brings you delight. It may be you delight in um, spending time by yourself. You may delight in maybe watching something on TV. You may find delight in going for a cycle. You may find delight in golf. I do not. Um, You may find delight in lots of different things. So there's meant to be delight and fun in it. And then also to contemplate, to have a moment in which your soul recharges with God whether that is a moment of prayer as you're in his creation and thanking him for what a beautiful creation that is, whether it might be reading something from the Bible or maybe having a God conversation with someone or maybe just listening to a worship song, but having that moment in which you just really, because you slow down and you've paused, that you can just enjoy God for who he is 
and nothing else. And so how do you do this? Well, let me tell you, there's not a formula. It is just trial and error. And I have gotten this very right this year and I've also gotten it very wrong this year. And it's just trying to work out what you do. So the first thing that I would suggest to do is to set a time in your calendar. Now, it's going to look different for everyone because we are all at different life stages. We've all got different demands in our life. But you don't have to do this by yourself. You can do it together as a family. You can do it um, together with your spouse. You can do it by yourself. You can do it how it works for you. But what I recommend is maybe starting... The whole intention is for it to be a 24-hour period. I'm not going to gloss over that. It is intended to be a 24-hour period. But maybe starting with a morning or maybe starting with an afternoon, something like that that you could fit into your life in which you go, I'm not going to do X, Y and Z and I'm not rushing out the door to go to X, Y and Z unless that is the thing that brings you delight. Parties are probably not the thing that are going to bring you delight. I'm just going to put that out there. So... Like, they may need to come into your Sabbath, that they're probably not going to be the delight moment. Um, but trialing and error, trial and error, so working out when it fits for you. And can I tell you, just like that drink of water that you have after a really long run, once you taste the sweetness of slowing down, of finding delight, and of having that moment with God, you will want to make it longer. And you'll actively try and do that. So try and think of a time in which could work for you, work for your family, work for your circumstances, and then stop to think, okay, this is what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to check my emails. I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z for this period of time. And this is the fun thing that I'm going to do. So there is some real planning. When I say it's not a day off, it means that there is like some planning that needs to happen. So for me, I try and do it um, like from a Friday to a Saturday, I don't really get this very well, very, don't do it very well all that often, but I am trying. And so on a Thursday, I try and work really, really hard to make sure that the washing is up to date as much as possible. I know I talk about washing a lot, but there is five of us and there is a lot of clothes and a lot of socks. You can just ask my in-laws who looked after them for us while we were away. There is a lot of washing. And so I try and work really hard on the Thursday to make sure that that is done. So then I don't feel like, oh, because I had Sabbath, now I've got to work extra hard to clean up the mess that I'd already just didn't do. So I try and like have some sort of preparation period before it. So I prep myself. So if you don't love cooking, then maybe be prepared. And so what we do on a Friday night is we do pizzas because that's fun and easy to make and not a lot of thought goes into it. So having some real time to think about what's going to do. So there's some questions that are going to come up at some point um, that throughout the week I think would be really good just to think through about how you can add Sabbath into your life. So why is Sabbath not a part of my weekly rhythms? What period of time in this season of my life could I practice Sabbath? What will I need to stop doing that relates to work unpaid and paid to be able to enjoy it? What activities, places, people create rest and delight for me? A tricky one, what activities, places and people don't create rest and delight for me? Because it's kind of knowing what you're going to allow in and what you're not going to allow in. And to enjoy Sabbath, what preparation do I need to do in advance? And can I say, this gift from God of rest is actually meant to be a beautiful mark of those that are free in him. That we don't have to live out of a place that says, I, I am only valuable for what I do, but rather is that I am valuable because of what God's done and I can rest in that. 
And how amazing would it be when we come on a Sunday morning or when we talk to other people and they go, how are you doing? You go, I'm well rested. I had great delight this week. Instead of saying, I'm busy, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling overworked. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love those things. It doesn't mean that those things aren't good. They're just meant to be in a rhythm in which there is rest. So that when we do get to the weekend, when we do get to holidays, we can actually fully enjoy our holiday as well because we've got a rhythm of rest in our weeks. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much that you have demonstrated to us and shown us the importance of resting. And Father God, as we contemplate what this means and as we rethink through our weeks, as we rethink through what we commit to, Father God, I just pray that you will have your hand upon it saying, come child, it's a great gift. You do not want to miss out on it. Don't put it back on the shelf. Start adding it to your life. And God, I pray that we will find true rest and freedom in adding this beautiful rhythm to our week. So that we may know that you won't put anything that's too heavy on us, that we can't handle with you, that you bring us true rest. And that's where we can feel unburdened and free. So God, we lay our weeks, our schedules, our time at your feet. And we pray that we may just be able to start just a short Sabbath. But Lord, that we will delight in it so much, Father, that it will extend into a full 24-hour restful period for our souls so that we may thrive And that we may just be even drawn closer to you, Father. In your son's precious name, amen. One rhythm that we do each and every week at church, which kind of allows our souls to thrive and kind of allows our souls to be replenished. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.